Are you ready to hear a story? You're not? Hmm. Oh well. I'm going to read one about Christmas. Are you ready now? Woohoo! We're getting extremely close to Christmas now. Are you excited? I am. And this story is definitely a Christmas story. Bad Brad Saves Christmas by Joe Kukor. Once upon a time in a far, far distant country, there was a little boy called Brad. Although no one called him just Brad. Everyone called him Bad Brad. He never said please and he never said thank you. He never shared and he never wanted to wait his turn. If you're not good, said his parents, then Father Christmas will put you on the naughty list and you won't get any presents on Christmas Day. I don't care, answered Bad Brad. I don't believe in Father Christmas. Well, this was bad enough, but it wasn't the worst Bad Brad could do. He was determined that no one else should believe in Father Christmas either. I hope Santa will bring me a puppet theatre on Christmas Eve, said Sally Perkins one day in the playground. You'll be lucky, sneered Bad Brad. Father Christmas doesn't exist. But I wrote him a letter and everything, wailed Sally. I put it in the fireplace and in the morning it was gone. Your parents probably lit the fire after you'd gone to bed, said Bad Brad. And the letter got burnt up all into ashes. Sally ran off crying and for days afterwards she looked quite miserable. Then Bad Brad told Steve Prado that reindeers couldn't fly. How could they if they didn't have wings? And he told Mario Smith that Father Christmas did exist, but that he'd been arrested by the police last Christmas for breaking into Buckingham Palace. And he wouldn't get out of prison for at least 20 years. I'll be all grown up by then, said Mario. Will Father Christmas still visit me? Not a chance, replied Bad Brad, and he went away laughing. The Christmas holidays arrived. The children's all exchanged cards and arranged playdates. But no one had a card for Bad Brad, and no one wanted a playdate with him. Even so, he wasn't worried. He had enough fun by himself. Nevertheless, on Christmas Eve... Even Bad Brad was surprised to find himself feeling a little bit excited about the thought of the day ahead. He told himself it was just because his parents would have got him a nice present. But deep inside him, there was still a tiny bit of Christmas spirit, burning brightly in the darkness and warming him from within. Bump. Brad woke with a start. Everything was quiet in the house, but something had woken him up. He listened very carefully. Were those sleigh bells? Carefully, quietly, stealthily, Brad slid out of bed and crept over to the window. He pulled open a corner of the curtains and peered outside. The snow that had fallen the night before still lay on the ground and the rooftops, making the world seem bright despite the darkness. But otherwise, everything was silent and quiet and ordinary. A big dollop of snow fell past the window, and Brad looked up. There, poking over the edge of the roof, was something that looked like the back of a ski. As Brad watched, more snow fell from the roof, and the ski started to move. There was a clattering on the tiles above, and then, to Brad's amazement, a large sleigh fell backwards off the roof. 
He thought it would smash into the patio below, but before it hit the ground, it stopped, just hanging in midair. Then it started moving upwards, slowly at first, but getting faster and faster. It shot past the window, up into the sky, and Brad lost sight of it in the clouds. A few seconds later, down swooped the sleigh again, pulled by a team of reindeer. It whooshed past Brad's window, then up and over the roofs of the houses opposite. The last Brad saw of it, the sleigh was doing a loop-the-loop and disappeared into the distance. It certainly looked like Santa's sleigh, except for one thing. Father Christmas had been nowhere in sight. The driver's seat had been empty. Determined to get to the bottom of this mystery, Brad pulled on his dressing gown and slippers. He tiptoed out of his room and onto the landing. It was much darker in here than in his bedroom, but he was so familiar with the small space that he found his way to the top of the stairs with no difficulty. From here he could see a faint glow coming from under the kitchen door, and the unmistakable smell of cinnamon wafted to his nostrils. Could Mummy be cooking at this time of night? Slowly he went down the stairs trying to tread lightly, and wincing as the old stairs creaked. Now, crouched on the bottom step, he could hear a voice coming from behind the door. Yes, forgot to put the handbrake on. My no, they've gone. No, I've got the presents. That's too late. I need transport now. Brad crept quietly to the door and slightly pushed it open so that he could see inside. There, talking on a glittery mobile phone, stood a large man in a red coat. He was facing away from the door, but Brad could still see the edges of a big white beard poking out and scratching against the phone. Just get that sleigh back here, prompto! said the man. All Christmas will be ruined. Then he popped the phone back into the inner recesses of his big coat and without turning around said, And you can stop sulking in the shadows. Yes, you, Brad. Come on out. And the man looked straight at where Brad was crouching behind the door. And any doubt disappeared. This was Father Christmas for sure. His outfit was a giveaway but Brad had seen people dressed up as Santa before. The thing that made it definite was that whenever this man moved, he was illuminated by a soft, white light, like the light on the snow outside. What are you doing here? asked Brad, edging around the door and into the room. Exactly the question I was asking myself, seeing as you're on the naughty list, replied Santa. But I don't like giving up on people. So as I was passing by, I thought I'd drop in and see if you'd changed your ways. Any small sign would have done. A good school report, some cards from friends, or even just leaving a snack for Rudolph. And maybe you could have earned a present from my sack. Here Santa looked down, and Brad noticed for the first time a huge brown sack of presents that sat by the cooker. But there was nothing. Santa's shoulders sank as he sighed a big sigh. I was just about to leave when I heard the reindeer taking off. This was an unscheduled stop, you see. It was going to make me late, so I was rushing and forgot to put the handbrake on. Now the reindeer are off on a joyride and I'm stuck here while my elves try to catch them. Every minute I spend here means another child who won't get their present this year. Brad thought about saying how this didn't sound like his problem, 
but then he thought about how real Father Christmas looked, and about how full of presents that sack looked. Finally, he thought very hard about how he could help Santa, and maybe get his name off the naughty list. His scooter was too slow. Nowadays, his fastest mode of transport was, We could take my bike, he said. Then, after thinking a bit more, you could ride Dad's bike. Father Christmas raised an eyebrow, so he added, It's really fast. It's a racer. Father Christmas shrugged and picked up his sack. Well, he said, it's better than nothing. (laughs) Let's go. Brad led the way out, through the back garden and to the shed where the bikes were kept. He was surprised to find that while he was near Santa, he felt toasty and warm, and his slippers didn't seem to get the least bit wet from the snow. Brad unlocked the shed using the key he'd taken from the hook by the back door. First he got out his own bike, and then he got out his dad's bike for Father Christmas. Together they opened the back gate and wheeled their bicycles out into the alley. Well, said Santa, painfully lifting his leg over the crossbar of the shiny racing bike. They say you never forget how to ride a bike. He got a little book out of his pocket, studied it carefully, looked down at the bicycle and said, in a commanding voice, Sally Perkins. Of course, nothing happened, but Santa seemed surprised. He banged the handlebars, rang the bell and finally exclaimed, This bicycle is broken. You need to pedal, said Brad, like this. And he cycled up and down the alleyway. That looks a lot like exercise to me, said Father Christmas doubtfully. Then he had a thought. My magic sleigh takes me straight to the right house when I say a child's name. How will I find the right house without it? Please, may may I see the list, said Brad, concentrating hard on being polite. Looking down at the names, he realised that they were all the children from his school. I, I know where all these children live he said. You just need to follow me. First though, Santa had to remind himself how to ride a bike. It was a good job they were in a narrow alleyway, because once or twice he had to put a hand out to steady himself up against a wall. After a very short space of time, however, he was doing well enough to start off towards the first house. Brad knew the way to Sally's house very well, although he hadn't often been inside, and never at Christmas. He was about to ring the bell out of force of habit, but Santa stopped him. With a smile that was almost mischievous, the old man drew out a key from the inner folds of his coat. As Brad watched, the key seemed to shift and squirm in Santa's fingers, changing constantly as it was lifted towards the lock. Just as it touched the keyhole, the key seemed to make up its mind. It fixed itself in the form of a perfectly ordinary door key. Santa pushed it into the lock, turned and click. The door opened to let him inside. Brad had been quite surprised to be let into someone else's house with a magic key, but that was nothing to his amazement as they walked through the hall and into the living room. He had never seen a house looking so beautiful. Everything was decorated and ready for Christmas, and Brad felt a little tickle down in his tummy as he gazed around at all the tinsel and baubles and the paper chains. Now, where's that puppet theatre? Brad looked around to see Santa rummaging in his sack. He found the package he was looking for and popped it into the stocking that was hanging over the fireplace. Then he turned his attention to a plate that sat on the mantelpiece. There was a carrot, which Santa tucked away for Rudolph, 
and a glass of sherry, which Santa drank himself, and a mince pie, which Santa handed to Brad. Perks of the job, said Father Christmas with a wink. As he ate the pie, Brad studied the sign that Sally had left next to the plate. It said, For Santa, with a picture of a sleigh on one side and a picture of Sally and her parents on the other. Brad thought about his own parents, asleep at home, and suddenly he wanted to do something nice for them at Christmas. No time for dawdling, said Father Christmas. We need to be off to the next house. Who is it? asked Brad. Mm, Steve Prado, replied Santa. Do you know him? Of course, Brad did, although he hadn't been allowed into his house since the incident with the hamster. Santa seemed to be much more confident on his bike now that he'd had a bit of practice, and Brad was enjoying riding in the snow, which he wasn't normally allowed to do. Although it did seem to Brad that his bike was not so much driving through the snow as riding slightly above it, he wondered if there was some kind of Father Christmas magic being used like when he first walked out into his back garden. The question was put to the back of his mind the moment they entered the home of Steve Prado. Brad had thought that Sally's family had been Christmas weirdos, and the other children's houses would just be like his own. Now he saw that this was far from the truth. Steve's house was also beautiful. Different from Sally's, but just as magical. Again, they left a present, gobbled up the goodies, and headed off to the next stop on Santa's list. That's odd, said Father Christmas, as they arrived at Mario Smith's house. This boy didn't ask for a present for himself. He just asked for a royal pardon. For me? I don't think I've done anything bad enough to need a royal pardon. What do you think we should leave him instead? Brad thought very hard. He tried to think of what Mario liked, but he never paid attention to what people liked before, only what upset them or scared them. Hmm. What about you in a picture of the Queen? He said finally. To show that you're friends and that she wouldn't put you in prison. Santa put his head on one side and squinted at Brad. Do I look like I carry a photo album around with me? He said. No, you'll just have to think of something else. Brad thought furiously. Then he suddenly remembered teasing Mario about something. Teasing him about his favourite sport. Football! He blurted out. No, wait, rugby, Mario likes rugby. Rugby, said Father Christmas, slapping his forehead. What a dunderhead I am. I completely forgot about this. He reached inside his robe and pulled out a photograph, which he held out for Brad to see. It showed a rugby team posing for a victory photo, but it was the strangest team that Brad had ever seen. Mostly it was made up of elves, and at the back, towering over everyone, were three huge polar bears. At the front and centre stood Santa and the Queen side by side. Everyone wore red and green striped rugby shirts and had their thumbs up, except for the Queen and Santa. Santa held a large trophy and the Queen held a rugby ball. As Brad leaned closer, he could see several disgruntled looking penguins kicking up snow in the background. He shot a questioning look at Santa. Every four years, we hold the pole versus pole rugby championships. Each team can invite one special player from outside their country. I was the captain for the North Pole, and I invited the Queen to join our team. Why the Queen? asked Brad. I wouldn't have thought she'd be very good at rugby. Well, you'd be surprised, 
said Santa. And people always think twice before tackling the queen. She's the main reason we won. Although the polar bears are very good in the scrum. Santa looked lost in the memory for a second. Then he continued. The queen had the royal photographer take a picture of the team, then sent me this print through the post. See what she wrote on the back. Santa turned over the photo so that Bragg could see the tidy, handwritten dedication. It said, To Santa, thank you for including me in this magical event. I promise to never put you in prison. Never, ever. Your friend, the Queen. I think this would make the perfect gift for Mario, don't you? said Santa. Seeing Brad nodding enthusiastically, he wrapped up the photo and left it in Mario's stocking. What Brad didn't see was that he also left a letter with the present, just as he had with the other houses they visited. Together, Brad and Santa left presents for all the other members of Brad's class. They were now enjoying themselves so much that it seemed like no time at all before they were putting the bikes back in the garden shed. Brad was wondering how Santa would continue his deliveries, when the sound of jingling bells made him look up. There on the roof of his house was Santa's sleigh. Oh, those reindeer could be naughty sometimes, chuckled Santa, seeing Brad's puzzled face. But it's never long before they remember where their duty lies. The old man looked down at Brad, and his kindly eyes twinkled. May I ask you one last favour? he said, looking up at the roof. Do you mind if I use your chimney? They went inside to the living room where the fireplace was, and then, when Santa turned to say his goodbyes, Brad noticed that he looked sad. I'm sad because I can't leave you a present, said Santa, when Brad asked him what was wrong. You've done a very good thing helping me with my deliveries, but you're on the naughty list and, well, rules are rules. Brad wasn't sure how to react to this. It seemed so unfair, after he'd been really good for once, that he wouldn't even get a present for it. Then he thought about all the bad things he'd done that year, and he thought about all the beautifully decorated houses he'd seen, and he thought about how happy he felt right now. That's okay, was all he said. Please, said Santa, kneeling down so that his face was close to Brad's. Please, just try to be good this year. You've shown me tonight what kind things you can do when you put your mind to it. And I'd so like to bring you a present next year. No more words were spoken. Brad nodded, and Father Christmas laid a kind hand on his head, before turning and disappearing up the chimney. The next morning, Christmas morning, Brad woke late. At first, he just wanted to turn over and go back to sleep. Then suddenly he remembered what had happened, and he jumped out of bed to peek through the curtains. The snow in the back garden lay crisp and white and completely undisturbed. There were no footprints and no tire tracks. It was just as if nothing had happened. Maybe his adventure with Santa had just been a dream. Dream or not, though, it was still Christmas Day and so Brad pulled on his clothes and rushed downstairs to see if his parents were already up. They were indeed up, and they stared at Brad as he rushed down into the living room. What's all this about? asked Brad's father, looking more confused than cross. He swept his arm around, pointing at once to the whole room. 
which was hung with tinsels, baubles, and fairy lights. Most striking of all, there was a huge Christmas tree, beautifully decorated and twinkling in the early morning light. It's wonderful, said Brad. What a wonderful Christmas surprise. Then after a short pause, he added, Thank you. Thank us, said Brad's mother. We didn't do this. We thought it was you. It must have been Santa Claus, whispered Brad. His father frowned and his mother strode across the room to rest her hand on Brad's forehead, fearful that he might have a temperature. Nevertheless, neither of them had a better explanation, and they were still thinking about it when the doorbell rang. I know it's early, said Sally Perkins, who was standing on the doorstep wearing Wellington boots, pyjamas and a long padded coat. But I had to come round and thank you straight away. Thank me for what? asked Brad. For making sure I got my puppet theatre, of course, grinned Sally. Santa explained all about it in his letter. His letter? repeated Brad, now thoroughly confused. Yes, silly, the one he put in my stocking. It said how you helped him find my house and how sorry you were for teasing me. Sally looked a little cross as she remembered the things Brad had said, but then she brightened up as she continued. We're all meeting in the park later to play in the snow. Why don't you come along? Everyone will be there right after the Queen's speech. Then Sally turned on her heel and skipped off through the snow. Brad wasn't so sure about her invitation. He didn't think that the other children would be glad to see him after all the mean things he'd done. But he barely got back to the living room when the doorbell rang again. This time, it was Mario Smith. It's the best Christmas present I've ever had, he said, waving the photo in the air. Mum's going to frame it for me together with the letter. The letter? asked Brad, feeling a bit wobbly. Yes, said Mario. The one Santa left explaining about the pole versus pole championship and how you had the idea for the perfect present. The rest of the day passed in a whirlwind of fun and excitement. There was lots of other visitors for Brad all wanted to thank him for helping Santa. There was a scrumptious Christmas dinner, after which Brad's parents taught him some of the games they used to play at Christmas, when they were children. It was so nice being there in the warm living room surrounded by the beautiful decorations, but Brad was surprised to find that what he was looking forward to most was playing with his classmates. Straight after the Queen's speech, he grabbed his hat, coat and scarf and headed to the park eager to see all his new friends. At about the same time, Santa was yawning a big yawn as he led Rudolph back to his stable. Christmas starts at different times in different places, and Hawaii is where it starts last. So while Brad had been enjoying his Christmas day, Santa had been finishing his long night's work in Honolulu. Then Rudolph had insisted on going to the beach, so they were even later back than usual. I must say you played your part perfectly, said Santa, as he pulled out some oats for the tired reindeer. Rudolph seemed to squint a little at his master. I know it was a lot of time to take for just one boy, as if answering a silent question. But think of all the good he will do, now that he has set his mind to changing his ways. This time, Rudolph put his head on one side, and if he had had one, he would have raised an eyebrow. Well, I think he'll be good from now on, 
said Santa to the doubtful deer. It's difficult to break bad habits, but the boy seemed very determined. I'll bet you a pound of oats that we'll be dropping a present down that chimney next year. And although Santa won the bet, he still let Rudolph have the oats, because Santa's kind like that. I really hope you enjoyed that story. I enjoyed reading it. And it's great that Brad decided to change his ways and be good. And however you spend the holidays, I hope you have a wonderful time.